Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will with Schedule Fly, and man, I'm excited today. I've got Martha King on the line, and I was just asking her when I introduced her what her title is, and this is one you will not forget. It's awesome. Her title is Queen of All That Matters. Uh, she's at Bull City Burger and Brewery and Pompieri Pizza in Durham, North Carolina. Um, we had Seth on the podcast a couple of years ago. He, in fact, he, um, the owner, and he's, he was in our book as well, Restaurant Owners in Court Part 2. And I love this group. They have just just really – they have a lot of fun, and they also have just a clear vision of what they want to do. They know who they are and, and who they are not. And, uh, man, it really works. They've got a great following at both their restaurants and uh, just a great brand recognition and um, – just a fun group of people. So, Martha, thank you for doing this today. I'm very excited. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so, well, let's get, um, we're going to talk about what Queen of All That Matters means here in a second, because that's fun, but tell me just uh, the backstory about how, how did you get involved, how and when did you get involved in hospitality? Well, about um, eight years ago, I well, let me step back a second. My background is in corporate human resources. Okay. And I had spent many, many years um, headed down that path. And a little bit over eight years ago, I was actually laid off during the wonderful recession we were having back then. Mm. And I was very, I was a very good customer of Seth's, um, Seth Gross, who you mentioned in the intro, who owns Bull City, I was a good customer of his at his previous business, which was Wine Authorities. So we oh, yeah. got to know each other really well. <laughs> and um, Seth was starting to put together the plan to open Bull City and knew of my background in human resources. So he asked me if I would sort of help open the restaurant, hire staff, get policies and procedures in place, that sort of thing. It was it was to be a short-term um, venture, and then I would go back to my merry way down the corporate path. And here I am eight years later. I'm the original employee of Bull City Burger and Brewery, and I've been at it for eight years and absolutely love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a, well, the, what a cool transition. I mean, let me ask you this. Okay, so corporate HR background, um, and then what you're doing now. Tell me just about the, uh, I mean, I can imagine, but tell me about the difference in the type of culture and uh, the amount of fun you're having and what, you, what you're really enjoying <laughs> about what you're doing. Well, my husband has always said that I thrive on chaos. Ah, okay. And so when I found, well, which sort of comes with HR, but I think I found my calling when I landed in a kitchen environment because, as you know, with a restaurant, there is certainly a lot of chaos at all times. And so I really really enjoyed the pace of the business and that sort of thing. Um, They're not a lot of – not a lot of differences as far as dealing with people. I mean, you know, the people are the same in the corporate world um, as far as the restaurant, although there are some different challenges. But it's, you know, sort of my background of dealing with people, that transitioned pretty well. But it was getting to know the business and understanding what went on in a restaurant environment and hospitality. But I've really, really enjoyed that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can, I mean, you can just tell just listening to you that you enjoy what you do. Um, do you, um, so, so, and you've been, you said eight years now? Yes. Um, actually my anniversary is coming up in two days. So oh. eight years. Um, Bull, Bull City actually opened, well, it will be, we'll be celebrating our eighth anniversary in March. 
And so I was working with Seth actually before the doors were even open. Tell me about, um, I mean, I know about, I, I spent a lot of time talking to Seth a couple of years ago uh, about the two concepts, but tell me about, or tell our audience about <clears throat> Bull City Burger and Brewery, um, you know, just sort of an introduction to what that's all about, and then about Pompieri Pizza as well. Sure. We literally make everything from scratch on the menu. Mm. We are a burger joint, but we make the mayonnaise, we make the mustard, we pickle our own pickles, we make the chili, the slaw, the sauerkraut, literally everything on the menu except for the ketchup. And the only reason we don't make the ketchup is because we actually tried doing that when we first opened. You know, got basically a dump truck loaded full of tomatoes, like 250 pounds worth of tomatoes, cooked them down over about four days, and that ketchup was gone in about two days. So it was, oh my gosh. we realized quickly that we couldn't keep up with the volume of ketchup that folks use in a burger joint. So that's the only thing that we don't make on the menu. But what kind we of really ketchup pride do you ourselves have? Uh, we serve um, Heinz, okay. simply Heinz. It's a very special product that Heinz carries. It has no high fructose corn syrup. Gotcha. Which is one of the things that we do not allow in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I love the. Uh, yeah, you guys have really done a great job with focusing on, um, you know, healthy ingredients. I mean, truly healthy ingredients and local ingredients. So I'll, right. I'll, okay, so you got the. Okay, good. So you got that. So keep going because I love this stuff. And so we um, we grind our beef fresh daily. It's made. It's a hundred percent pasture raised beef from sourced from North Carolina farmers all within about two hours of the restaurant I mean we get the big primal cuts of beef in the restaurant we have two butchers on staff so it's freshly ground and we have um, four bakers on staff so our buns are baked fresh daily we pretty much do it all we kind of laugh that we take a fine dining approach to bacon burgers I love it I love it what about so what about the uh, brewery part of this Um, it's a we brew about 60 styles of beer in a basically in our brewing cycle, which is a very challenging wow. program for a brewer our size. The um, it's really we don't do that much distribution of our beer. We we brew our beer for the restaurant and then also for Pompieri. We do have a few small retail accounts, but for the most part, the beer that we brew we serve in our restaurant and. We really pride ourselves on basically having authentic, true-to-style beer. I mean, you will get some of the crazy one-offs that a lot of the breweries are doing, but we really pride ourselves in doing the styles that people are familiar with as far as the origins of beer. It, we think it's great if someone comes in and says, oh, my gosh, I, I um, spent the summer in Czechoslovakia you know, a couple of years ago, and this Pilsner tastes just like what I was drinking when I was there. Mm. We we see those as sort of the supreme compliments. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, so and then tell me a little bit about Pompieri. Well, Pompieri, we make everything on the menu there since we don't serve ketchup, and uh, <laughs> we hand stretch our mozzarella daily, and we make all of the sauces, um, that sort of thing. So it's really truly a back to scratch type kitchen for both both spots. The type of pizza that we serve at Pompieri is traditional Neapolitan style pizza which is a very thin crust with a puffy edge called a corona you'll see some black spotting on it because obviously you're you're baking the pizza in an 800 degree oven but um, we we try to keep in with the traditional Neapolitan style which is sparser toppings it's really all about the crust with a Neapolitan style pizza yeah for sure for sure and your 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 ingredients uh, your toppings there 
well, really at both places, I think, if I remember correctly, will change seasonally, right? Because you're using local produce and, you know. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, right now we don't we don't serve tomatoes at Bull City during the winter. Yeah, and I remember that. That, that kind of freaks some folks out. You, uh, But we really feel that, as most of us know, I mean, there's nothing better than a phenomenal summer tomato. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than a hard mealy tomato in the middle of winter. So we do change our toppings and the sauces and things like that, definitely on a seasonal basis. Well, you know, it's interesting. I remember talking to Seth and he was saying like, hey, you know, like I'll eat a lot of strawberries in April or May or whatever they're in season. And then, you know, around here, that's when they're in season and they're not. But his point being that, you know, you uh, we're so used to having everything available all the time. If I want strawberries right. in January, I can get them. But his point was, you don't necessarily, and we can, and we have multivitamins. We're always thinking we need all that stuff all the time. But really, the, you know, the f- local food sources, by particularly where we are uh, with the climate we have, there's what you need. Uh, you can get, you know, what you get from strawberries in April and May, and then you get other nutrients from you know, tomatoes in the summer and so forth. I mean, that's really a a, a big um, picture philosophy that y'all have about the you know, the type of food you're serving and, um, people are not always used to that, but, but that's, that's really kind of, you know, that's, that's, you're getting it is, what you we need. We really trust so hard to, to source as locally as possible. Yeah. And it's, and as a result of that, we've been able to develop relationships with, with our local farmers where we sort of are codependent upon one another, mm. like our lettuce grower, they know what we need and, I mean, it's with a farmer over in Orange County, and they know what we need, and we work with them, and they're dependent on us, we're dependent on them, and it's, and it's a lot of fun to be able to you know, sort of know your farmer. When when he walks in the back door carrying his lettuce, you, you know, we know those people, and it's, it's, it's just a lot, you just feel a whole lot better about sort of knowing who those folks are. And we're not shipping tomatoes across the country or from South America or from wherever they're being right. grown. We, we wait until we all re- get really excited when we get a few green tomatoes in. That's sort of mm. the start of the tomato season at Bull City. We'll have some fried green tomatoes as a topping. And then everybody's just waiting, waiting, waiting for you know April, early May when the really good tomatoes come in. And then you have a phenomenal summer of great tomatoes. And then you... You miss them. <laughs> they taste even better when they come back next year. Boom. I, you know, that's what's so, that that's a, an interesting part of that. It's like, by not having it for a while, it, it makes it more meaningful when you do. So it's almost like the people, you know, your, your customers that know what you're doing. I mean, it's like, yeah, God, they, they, they'll want to come even more in the summer because, hey, there's tomatoes now and we can get, you know. But I, I just admire that you take a stand on that and um, there's probably got to be a lot of, customer education that goes into that but you know absolutely the folks that you're the folks that you want to serve um and want to serve regularly you know they're going to be people that that either understand that already or after being educated upon that appreciate that and they kind of buy into what you're doing don't they and and then that becomes they really do they they become part of the story it's we start to i mean it's we're in that time of year, it's like, um, you know, they'll come in. So, you know, almost like they still have their fingers crossed. Like, do you still have tomatoes? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, we don't right now. And then you'll start in the um, 
late winter, early spring, it'll be like, okay, how long till tomatoes? You know, what are you hearing? What are you hearing from your farmers? You know, kind of give us an idea. When when are we going to get a tomato back? So it, it I, they really do buy into what we're doing. I think they they feel a lot of them feel just as passionately about this as we do. Well, I, I did not say this as a setup, although I think it sounds like it now, though, because I said they become part of the story, and then you went into that. But it, but you, it just I just remember now, you you literally have people that are part of your story in the sense that you have people that put put your logo, they tattoo your logo uh, onto yes, their body. We do. <laughs> so I remember Seth telling me that. It's with a, it's, I mean, I will never forget that. Like, tell me, tell us about how that happened and i mean are people still doing that um we we they are we had someone not long ago that that became our eighth um (laughs) tattooed customer if you get a bull city tattoo we have three approved um logo well they're not logos but three approved tattoos and if you get one of those or you can design your own tattoo and then but you have to have it approved in advance but if you'll get the tattoo you will get 26% off for life. Um, so anytime you come into Bull City, you'll get treated. What was the 26 from? Um, just a lot. We do a lot of quirky things like that, yeah. just so you'll remember. We open at 1111 at Bull City. We open at 1112 at Pompieri Pizza. And a lot of that's just the quirkiness so that you don't forget us. Well, that's really smart. I mean, that, you're exactly right. You nailed it. You don't forget that. You wouldn't forget the 26, the 1111, queen of all that matters. Uh, so, okay, so talk about that a little bit. What is that? So w- what do you do as queen of all that matters? You you must wear a lot of hats. I do. Um, but, you know, I laugh. I, I scrub toilets, too. So just like anybody else that's involved in the restaurant business, you do whatever you got to do. Do what you got to do. Um, to get things open and running. I primarily focus on all of, like the HR piece, the administrative piece, but I'm a pretty good I'm pretty good at Expo at Pompieri, so I'll do whatever is necessary um, to help manage the restaurants. Gotcha, gotcha. I know that means a, a lot more than a. There's just like a thousand little things that come into that. Um, so, but that's that's cool, and you've probably. Um, uh, enjoy I would imagine you've got a lot of autonomy um, and uh, have a lot of respect from the staff um, having been there since since day one so that that's that's really awesome you've you've had an opportunity to do all kinds of things well it really has been fun um, just to see the entire organization grow and we're we're starting to um, work towards opening another thing so Oh, I was just about to ask we'll you that. Keep adding. Okay, yeah, because you. Uh, so, is it another concept? Um, it is, but okay. I, can't, I can't tell you about it. No, Not no, yet. that's fine. We're close to we're close to um, signing a lease, and when we do that, we'll be announcing it. But before then, you know, I'd lose my job if I told too many secrets. No, no, we don't want that. Um, but I do want to ask you this: You said you're close to signing a lease, so this is always something I find to be interesting in the hospitality space. Is you know when we talk about uh, location and the whole concept of lease versus buy. Do you, are you leasing all of your your other two locations? And yes. just, what comes into the the mix when you think of lease versus buy? Is it just um, you you've got a location and you know where you need to be, and there's just no opportunities for purchase? Or just, I'm just curious it, it, about that. And, and also to add to that, like, tell me some good advice people need to know when they're negotiating a 
a lease because that can get tricky if you mess that one up. Well, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I recently, I think I said to Seth that negotiating a lease is somewhat like buying buying a car. It's like you don't want to go into something like that. <clears throat> just determine that that's going to be the one thing that you're going to have because I think you're at such a disadvantage. You need to really keep your, keep your options open. And if it's, I think you make smarter, smarter decisions about that if you're willing to walk away. And so, I mean, we certainly have a location or, a, you know, a, an area that we were interested in. And there were a couple of different options as far as, being able to to get a space in the in that area and so i think that made it easier than just saying like oh my gosh i have to be you know within this you know mile space and this is the only building that's available that kind of thing it certainly made negotiating um easier but it's it's still going to be in in durham and i think that it's just been a it's been an interesting thing to sort of see what's happening in Durham because there's so many changes in downtown from when we first opened. Um, a lot of players in the game in downtown Durham right now. More competition, huh? Absolutely. Is that, um, I mean, that's probably, do you have mixed emotions on that? Does, does competition bring more, more people out and keep you guys on your toes it, more or what's, what do you think? It does. I mean, we, but I, we've seen that it's a benefit for everyone. Yeah. And, one of the things that I've appreciated in the hospitality space, which, which was different from, a, like I mentioned, my background in human resource, I mean, in corporate America, there's, you really see that the restaurants take care of each other. Mm -hmm. um, For sure. You, you know, if when we opened, I remember that um, one of our neighboring restaurants, I mean, we were, we were running over there for napkins. We were running over there for sugar kind of thing. It's like, you know, visiting your next-door neighbor at your house. And we've tried to be that same neighbor to other restaurants that are opened in downtown because it's just like we all sort of sink or swim. We all need customers, and if they'll come down and they'll have a meal at your spot tonight, maybe they'll come back next Friday night and have a meal at our spot. So we've always taken the... Um, We've always seen that as an advantage that, you know, that we all sort of can rise. All the boats can rise. Rising tide lifts all boats, for sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, you know, there lots and lots of new things are happening in Durham. A lot more uh, residential um, mm -hmm. folks are coming in, and the tower in downtown Durham is getting ready to open, and it's bringing a lot of more, a lot more office. Daytime office folks downtown. Oh, uh, what's uh, what what tower is opening? Um, it's going to be the the tallest building in Durham. It's getting ready to open, and it's got it's a mixed use space. It's got apartments, condos, oh, wow. and several several floors worth of um, office space. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Good. That. Yeah. Well, the um. Yeah, it's interesting that the point about competition and I do find that in hospitality a lot it's a um it's friendly competition I guess but but I think everybody seems to have that generally speaking you find that most people in good towns like Durham and you know that there, there's a lot of independent restaurants they seem to support each other and they collaborate on things and you know events and so on and so forth so um 
Very cool. Let me ask you this. I'm curious about the distribution piece of this with your beer. You said you've got some, a few retail customers, but you don't distribute a lot. Um, is that, I mean, I know that's for good reason, but I'm just, I'm curious about, is that because you wanted to focus elsewhere or this, you've got capacity issues or just distributions, a whole other business that you don't want to get into? I don't, it was always our intention just to brew beer for ourselves. Yeah, okay. Pretty much. Gotcha. Um, and it is a capacity thing. We we don't have the capacity to, to do more um, major retail than what we're doing yeah. already. So uh, we brew, we brew for, like I say, we brew for ourselves and for Pompieri. And that's that's about it. We do a good job of, of keeping ourselves busy. I'm sure you do. Keeping our customers happy drinking drinking beer. Yeah, for sure. That's right. That's right. I'm sure you do. Um, yeah. Do you, um, well, okay, so that's got to be fun, then working on something new, and it's neat to see. When, when did uh, Pompieri open? It's getting ready to celebrate its fifth um, anniversary in the end of this in this December, 1st of January. Okay, so you had Bull City eight years ago, then five, and now you got something new. So good to have, uh, and that's good measured growth. Sounds like you guys, you um, take your time and get it right. Sometimes people keep adding and adding, and the growth is, you know, sort of accelerated, and that can that can lend to lots of problems with execution. Um, Absolutely. We've always wanted to make sure that, that each um, unit was strong before yeah. – we moved on because you don't want to. Um, we we sort of refer to Bull City as the mothership, so we always want to make sure that the mothership is is strong and doing well before we add anything else. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, cool. Well, well, let me ask you this: What is the? What do you think has been particularly having? You know, you transitioned over from corporate America, so there's a lot of good things that that can come with that. Um, what are some of the? What are some of the bigger challenges that you've um, you've seen uh, from your perspective getting into hospitality? Hardest thing about what well, you do? How about that? The biggest the biggest thing that we're facing right now is just labor, mm. and um, I think that that's Shortage? probably got to be across. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, finding quality people who are um, who are willing to do this job. We really work hard at Bull City and at Pompieri. We're trying to change the mentality that a job in a restaurant is your job till you get your real job. We really want people to come in and and the the opportunities that we can provide as career opportunities and not just something that you're going to do for a couple of months till you you find something else. I mean, obviously, you're always going to have a, a you know somewhat of a transitional staff if you've got college kids that are working or something like that. But um, we really are trying to focus on changing how people view a job in hospitality. Yeah, for sure. Well, it can be a very long and meaningful career. One of the great things I think about hospitality, well, let me, let me say hospitality in terms of independently owned small businesses like yours, not necessarily maybe larger uh, change in things, but, I mean, you come work for Bull City or Pompieri or your new concept. You're part of a group where you may start, you know, down at the bottom, if you will. Um, but, gosh, the room for growth is is tremendous. 
Um, it really is. And as you, I mean, here, so you've got a third concept now, and, you know, down the road you'll have a fourth probably or another location of one or whatever it is. So it gives you the opportunity to, to work in what, frankly, is a, um, a very enjoyable environment, a very fast-paced environment, and one that if, if you can master whatever you're doing, whether it's washing dishes or bussing tables or serving or tending bar, if you can get really good at that, um, that's a very valuable skill set. And Absolutely. you then are able to typically grow within that organization, learn another skill set. And the more skill sets you stack on, the more valuable you become. And, um, and you know, you, you all continue to provide opportunities for, for people to grow. And one of the great things about being a part of a small organization is you're learning from, you know, you're learning from you. You're learning from Seth, who owns the business. I mean, this is not, you know, <clears throat> you know, some some owner that's five states away that you'll never meet. I mean, here's 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 somebody who owns the business right there that you're able to interact with and learn from. And um, so, I, there's just so many great things that come along with that. And, um, and 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 let's face it, I mean, if you do really well there and you learn a lot, then you either have an opportunity to always have an opportunity to grow within that business, which is always going to keep growing itself or to maybe go do your own thing one day. And I'm sure you guys have people do that and you support them because like you said, it's a, I mean, it's a supportive community and, and, uh, but you can kind of stay out of that, you know, world of, uh, you know, that large corporate world where, you know, one day, you know, you, you like, you just like your story, you know, things turn bad and, you know, Hey, guess what? you you no longer have that that career um, where in a, in a small organization like yours, there's there's always going to be opportunities in the hospitality space. There's, I mean, less, there's always going to be restaurants, no matter what. Um, they're always going to be around. Uh, and if you're with a good group, you're always going to have a, an opportunity. Sorry, I just did your whole pit. I apologize. Like, But that's that's the way I look at it. I mean, isn't that like a, a – I mean, gosh, it's, I mean, it's a conversation I'm going to – you know, I have three kids I'm going to have with them one day. I think it's a great opportunity. Well, and we um, we were, I was telling a, a new cook just the other day that um, it, Seth's background. I mean, he's a he's a trained chef. I mean, he went to the Culinary Institute of America, and so he's he knows what he's doing in the kitchen. When he he doesn't get to do that very often, but he knows you know his way around in the in the back. And I told a cook the other day, I said um, that Seth really loves to train. He's a very very good at teaching folks and I said if you ever want to learn anything in this kitchen I said just stop him and ask the question I said because you will find that he will stop and he will teach you whatever it is that you want to know Mm, yeah and so for someone who's really interested in learning to cook or you know learning about whatever it is that we're doing said all you got to do is ask and, and he literally will stop what he's doing and so I think that as people learn that, they'll learn that there are opportunities like that. That if you're willing to learn and, and take the time and put in the blood, sweat, and tears, that good things will happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's an issue. I mean, gosh, it's, it, I mean, literally, I think every single person I ask for this podcast, what, you know, some of the bigger challenges are, it, it, that's it right now. It's labor. It's finding good people. It's keeping good people. Um, so it's, it's, no doubt a very significant one. Um, and that is one of the things that I wish that we would do a better job of that I probably miss from the corporate side of things is is doing background checks and calling in checking references and that sort of thing. Because um, I feel, you know, we'll have someone who you know, wasn't, who didn't 
do a good job or for whatever reason left us, I mean, you know, no collar and no show or something like that. And then they, they pop up at a neighboring restaurant and it's, I just feel like sometimes that we're passing around bad eggs and I would love it if we sort of got back, got into the routine of calling each other and looking out for each other and not letting people get away with some of the stuff that they get away with by, you know, jumping ship and going to the next place. So I do miss, I do miss that. I think I would love for a little bit of that corporate side to come into play here. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting opportunity. Um, I mean, interesting opportunity for somebody to resolve that problem for the hospitality space. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it's because, you know, we're all, we're all, it's such a small labor pool, but I think that, um, some of some there you know there are folks out there we all know <laughs> we all know who they are in the towns that we work in but you just see you know people bouncing place to place so well it'd be get, nice to break that cycle at some point yeah i mean that's i mean turnover is expensive right and i mean you know the amount of time you invest into finding people and then bringing them in like that and they don't show I me mean, that's that's a big waste of time and money for you guys absolutely we it it cost about 3 to 4000 dollars to have a basically go through and hire somebody and mm. get them trained to the point where they're competent. And that's a huge expense. And, and right now uh, the, the national average of turnover in the restaurant business is like 300%. And you think about if you're changing your staff 300% um, every year, I mean, how much time, energy, and effort you're spending on all of those types of activities. God, is it really 300%? We've been 300%? very, very lucky. Yes. Mm. We've we've been working really really hard, and ours is down um, to the high high um, high thirties right now. So we feel very excited and blessed that we've been able to get it down to that. But it's taken a lot of a huge focus on actually um, the whole recruiting process, the onboarding process, a lot of the time and energy that we spend in training new hires and onboarding them. It's it's a it's a huge challenge, but hopefully in the end it will make our lives a little bit easier. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, y'all have a great organization. Uh, you have a great way of approaching business. The quirkiness and the fun is, is memorable and meaningful. And just I love the, um, the stand y'all take, uh, that matters to a lot of people. And I know to your customers and, um, you know, really sets you apart. So it's, it's really, it's good stuff. It's inspiring to hear and it's fun to talk about. I, I'll, I'll let you go, uh, Martha, but I really do appreciate very much you taking the time to do this and we appreciate the Absolutely. chance. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I'd love for, for you to stop in and have a burger or pizza with us soon. And, um, well, anybody that, that hears the podcast, tell them to stop in and let us know that, that you were listening. We'd love to get to meet you and hear a little bit about your story as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, do it. If you're in the Durham area or anywhere around there, folks, do it. Yeah, I'm in Charlotte, so I, I'm not too far away, and I get up to Cary every now and then to see my dad, so I'll, I'll have to make that happen. Um, Absolutely. For sure. Please well, do. Well, we love serving y'all. We, we, we're proud to serve you. We appreciate it, um, and I appreciate your time very much. I know it's valuable, so I'll let you get back to your day, but uh, thank you very, very much, Martha, for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, have a good one. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.